When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. It is the 28th of August on the day when Forest have lost 2-0 at home to Tottenham Hotspur. But that doesn't tell the entire story as they had a very creditable performance. Um, lots of good play and lots of quick attacking. And um, some would say that they were unlucky, but I think there's more to it than that. And that's what we're here to talk about. I'm joined by the Maradon the Midlands. How are you? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. And did you enjoy that game? I did enjoy the game, yes. Excellent. So we'll be speaking to you a little bit more in just a minute or so. We'll also be hearing a view from the opposition uh, with some Spurs fans giving their thoughts on the Reds. And we'll also have the latest Nottingham Forest news bulletin from Callum. But first, let's start off with the Forest team news. So there were obviously lots of changes from the last game against Grimsby. Forest reverted more or less to the first choice 11 with Dean Henderson in goal, a back three of Worrell, Cook and McKenna. Toffolo and Williams were at wing back and Yates and O'Brien were partnering up for the first time in central midfield. And up front, we had a combination of Morgan Gibbs-White, Brennan Johnson and Jesse Lingard. So married on the Midlands, first of all, were you surprised by that team selection? I was a little surprised. I, I expected to see uh, one of the strikers, probably Taewoo, back in the side, uh, leading the uh, front line. Uh, but I can see why um, Steve Cooper did that. You can you could see the Spurs back line was a big old, the three big old units there, big, tough, solid defenders. And I guess the um, idea was to put three tricky uh, ball-playing um, mobile players in there, sort of run around them, do some nice one-twos, nice touches, lots of movements, no sort of static striker, just to confuse them and create some chances. Yeah, and would you agree that actually, if you put it in those terms, it worked? Yeah, it, it worked to an extent. I mean, we, we created quite a lot of chances and um, and we were, I mean, we, we were a little dangerous um, throughout the game, really, up until sort of towards the end. For most of the game, we looked fairly dangerous. All three of them had their good moments, um, and for some of them, but it's just at points you could see where a striker would have been useful. Mm, yeah, yeah, and of course, speaking of strikers, Tottenham have got one of the best, and, and statistically now one of the top three Premier League strikers of all time in Harry Kane. And it may not have been his cleanest strike, but he gave Spurs an early lead. Um, look, you were at the game, I wasn't, um, and. From where, at first glance to me, it looked like a soft one for Forrest to concede. Well, I mean, it was, a, it was a really good start from Forrest. First five minutes, we, we were pretty much dominated, really fast out of the traps and uh, created one or two half opportunities. And he, even the goal, for, Forrest was sort of hunting it down in midfield. It, it looked like an unlucky ricochet in midfield. But that, kept, that was the theme of the match, really, for me. Whenever it bounced, it always seemed to go to a Spurs player 
and they seemed to do something with it straight away. They were like like a, a greyhound out of the traps as soon as they got the ball. And that was the same there. I think Ryan Yates made a challenge. And it looked like he was going to go for it, but all of a sudden it was at the feet of a Tottenham player. And I think went to Kulis within a, at the blink of an eye. It was with Kulisevsky. And then he fed in Kane. And then everything suddenly slowed down. We were right behind the uh, the uh, sh- Harry Kane shot there. And it, it was just, you knew what was going to happen. It, it, it all went down into like that matrix time where it all slowed down. So he put his foot back and it just curled it into the back of the net. He just passed it, basically. I mean, it looked like a, a really clean shot from where I was. Afterwards, I've heard people saying it, was, it maybe wasn't a clean shot. But from where I was, I was sat right behind it. You could see where he was going to put it, and he put it just there. And it was just I just turned to the guy next to me and said, that's Harry Kane for you. Mm. And it was it was just a quality finish. I mean, people talk about Jimmy Greaves sort of passing it into the net, and that's what came to mind straight away because there was no doubt that he was going to score there. And um, it was just a quality finish. Yeah, I mean, what I would say at first glance from the the, the main gantry, I thought it looked like a bit of a scuffer, a bit of a bobbler. But then you see it from the other angle, which is, a, I suppose, a similar angle to what you'd have seen in the ground, um, where it's from behind Kane. And you just go, yeah, actually, he he, he meant that. Uh, he meant that. Um, Dean Henderson was wrong footed. Bit of a soft. He'll he'll be thinking that was a soft one for him to concede, won't he? Um, maybe he, he probably will say, because it was from outside the box, more or less, that he, he could have got to it. But. I mean, you just have to hold your hand up. It was a quality finish. It was um, sometimes you can't do anything about it. That's you know, that's football. Mm. Um, now, what you said there about the fact that Forest, you know, were out the traps quickly. They were um, being dogged. They were moving forward quickly, and so on. That is very much a story of the half, along with the way that Tottenham scored by getting the ball quickly down the middle, trying to put Kane and Son on our centre halves. That was pretty much a story of the, of the first half, wasn't it? And it's a strange one, really, because Forrest played some scintillating football and they managed to get the ball in the box. And you mentioned earlier, well, you'd have expected a centre forward to play. And I think if we'd had a number nine in there, and obviously our thoughts turned to Tyro, not just because he wears the number nine shirt, but because he seems to be the most kind of in-the-box type of striker we have. If we'd had a number nine in there, I think Forrest might have scored in the, in the first half, don't you? Yeah, there's one, one especially where the ball sort of got played along the six-yard box and it just, Jesse Lingard was just off, off reaching it. And at that, at that point, you think if we had a striker there, I think he probably would have would have scored there and reached it because just that stri- the old striker's instinct. Um, and um, But, I mean, they played well. Played well. I mean, there was, there was another one or two other chances they created. There was a... I think there was a Johnson header as well, which may be an, a, a, a natural striker in there, just centre forward rather than a, an attacking player. Maybe he would have scored that as well. A bigger lad just would have nodded it into inside the post. Um, but I don't know. It was we play. I mean, we, I, I, they got they got cheered off at half time, and they had played well. But there was that constant threat from Spurs whenever whenever. Whenever the ball broke down in midfield, they were away, and there was always like quite a big gap between Worrell and um, O'Brien. It suddenly appeared, and um, the difference between our three strikers and, and their three strikers, 
when they got sort of near to our defenders, there's always looked like a gap was forming there. They always had more time on the ball. Our players, it was all sort of crowded and, and more, more to, they were taking more touches and taking sort of taking that extra touch, next extra second to think about what to do. Whereas with Spurs, it was one pass, one pass, and it's released. There's one, especially where Kane looked dead certain to score another goal. as a tremendous challenge from Joe Warrell, which would have done, which done loads for his confidence. It was a sliding, sort of proper old-fashioned Des Walker sort of from the from behind and side, sort of clearing the ball away, and that would have done great, great guns for his confidence. Uh, but they were just, and the, the, the impressive thing about seeing the likes of Son and Kane in real life is they're actually really quite big players. Mm-hmm. Harry Kane bigger than Steve Cook, and on TV they just look sort of slim, athletic players. But they're actually big; they're pretty much almost the same size as McKenna and, and Worrell. And to add, add that physicality. With the movement, that's maybe the difference between our three players who weren't aren't quite as big as well, don't quite have that physicality as well as that sort of first time touch to sort of take release shots and release passes. Um, but I mean, it was a, it was only one nil at half time, and it was all to play for. Yeah, yeah. So um, worth mentioning that um, yes, yeah, Son and Kane had both had shots that kind of they tried to curl them in from the corner of the box and and, and failed. Um, there was, as you mentioned, the header by Brennan Johnson. And the other thing that just before we move on to, to the second half, one thing that was noticeable is that, yeah, Brennan Johnson and Nico Williams in particular down that right-hand side. I mean, Ivan Perisic is a decorated player. He is a uh, an old pro. He's experienced. He's a high-quality player. He was being made to look very, very ordinary in the left wing-back position. And uh, Emerson Royal was having a tough time defensively in the right wing-back position for Spurs. Um, Harry Toffolo was, was good going forward as well. Now, just one thing I will mention about the full-backs is that it looks as though Nico's kind of main option is byline and cut it back and Toff's main option is get down the wing and then try and float it in and I think that's something that uh, Forrest will need to work on is adding a bit of variation to those balls into the box and that may depend upon how the style of play evolves depending upon which players are up front I guess what do you think? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, it, it gives you. I mean, if you've got a striker in there, you can play the ball into him a bit earlier to hold him up. Because all of our players were sort of standing off their three, three centre halves. Um, it's say if they were on the edge of the box, our players sort of maybe ten yards further ahead of them, rather than the striker sort of hustling and busting them, sort of standing right on the toes of the centre halves, and that that gives you another option. Um, but yeah, it, it, was, it was it was a decent enough. I couldn't have any complaints about anybody really in that first half. They all they all ran their socks off, bar that sort of goal and, and the odd chance where Spurs broke away. You couldn't really tell. I was I was thinking at half time if we if we got had Harry Kane in our side uh, rather than their side, we, we might be winning one nil. Like, it, it seemed that sort of closeness between the two teams is just their front three. You could see our. Uh, Really, really good. Um, that's maybe the rest of the team. I could see them fitting into the Forest team. I couldn't couldn't see a massive difference with any the rest of their players and 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 our players. Yeah, what was quite interesting is um, uh, that uh, at half time, I didn't have a really strong look at it, but uh, just looking on Twitter, a lot of Spurs fans were saying, "Yeah, we're not we're not doing well, and the problem is in midfield." So they had um, Huibier and Bentancur, who are two experienced players and I mean 
you would say that you noticed um, Hoybier in particular being experienced because of the amount of fouls and free kicks that he won. Um, the other thing I would say is that the football journalist, uh, Rafa Honigstein, um, did say something along the lines of, it was surprising to see Spurs play sufferball against a newly promoted team. But I would like to make the point that in the first half and for a good chunk of the second half, this was down to Forrest pressing Spurs. So we know that Conte's teams are very well drilled in terms of their defensive shape, who's doing what and so on. But they had to regularly get eight or nine players on the edge of their own box to try and counter that movement and 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 passing from Forrest to because they were pressing high up in the pitch. Um, would you say that's a fair assessment? It is, yeah. I mean, that they were deep for a long periods of that that first half, and um, when we 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 were playing pretty high, even that that's where the point I made earlier about the sort of hole behind O'Brien and, and Yates sort of came in because they were so high up the pitch, they were sort of sort of beyond the halfway line, and that that made it really easy for, for Spurs when they did get the ball to just play around them, and with one pass mm-hmm. they were past them. So um, that that's I, I did sort of get the feel. Get have the thought that it's a bit unfair to ask Steve Cook to sort of be looking after Harry Kane as well. It's, <laughs> just, well that's not a fair fight. Um, and the, and the point I came to earlier on in the season about maybe changing it from a three to a four to get some more bodies in. I was thinking that that point points as well where they just when they went went past our our two central midfielders, there was nothing there. And I was thinking, well, if we had one man sitting in front of the defence rather than a centre-half sort of deeper than the, the other two centre-backs. Well, might... well, we'll return to that a little bit later, I think. Let's talk about the second half because um, Forrest had the first kind of proper chance of it and it's it's another one of those where we should have put that one away. It was a nice play down the left-hand side. Um, Toffolo and Gibbs-White were involved. Gibbs-White got the ball, he flipped around and he put the floated the ball in. Ryan Yates got his head to it and it was a strong header Larice was planted to the spot and the ball went just wide. And that was, I don't know, I was thinking, mm, really got to be getting those on target, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was head in hands time for me. I, was, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Maybe it's just a bit, bit too much time for Ryan Yates there. It just, it just all, again, it seemed to happen in slow motion. And I was expecting the ball to just nestle in and it just fell to the wrong side of the post. I was like, mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we've got to score those. The, the top teams will punish you when you don't score those goals. It, uh, I mean, I was thinking at that point, we, we, we've got to make Larice work. We haven't, I think there's one one sort of parried save in the first half from O'Brien, but apart from that, he didn't have any, any saves to make. So it was, uh, yeah, a disappointing one for Ryan and uh, sort of almost compounded almost straight after when Tottenham went down the other end. And, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm sure many of you will have seen the clips, but um, a cross came in. Uh, it was going right on under the under the crossbar, really. Harry Kane was doing what you'd expect him to do. And he was there as the goal poacher, almost under the bar, getting ready to just nod it in. Except he didn't because uh, Steve Cook, he tried to be subtle about it. I mean, <laughs> in his Bournemouth days, we've seen him make some great saves, but <laughs> this one, he tried to be subtle about it, made out like being pushed in the back, flung his arm in the air, just uh, tipped it over Harry Kane's head and passed. Um, he wasn't fooling anyone, was he? So the, the debate, and this went to VAR, was should Cookie have had a red card? 
I think under the laws of the game, as unfair as it might seem, I think a yellow is probably the right decision, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if it had been a red card. I was, I was waiting for the red card, but because it wasn't going directly into goal, it was going across goal, just about, I think. That's what saved him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't have been a surprise if, it, if they, on another day, if they flip of a coin and they decided it was a red card because mm. Kane was, was standing there just waiting, <laughs> waiting to nod it in. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And I think if it had been given red, VAR would have upheld that as a decision as well, probably. so. Um, but the penalty was not in doubt. And Harry Kane, I think, was the start? I think he scored his last 21 penalties or something like that. Um, however, Dean Henderson, just like with Declan Rice a couple of weeks ago, he knows how Harry Kane takes penalties because he's faced them in training for England. And so... I wasn't entirely surprised when Henderson saved it. But just like with Declan Rice's penalty a couple of weeks ago, it was pretty obvious which way Kane was going, wasn't it? It was, but I mean, we, we were all sitting there next to everybody's going, well, he's not going to miss this, is he? He's a definite goal. <laughs> it's, it's Harry Kane. I think maybe the delay helped us because of the VAR delay. Maybe that mm-hmm. got got to his mind a little bit. Uh, but it was a, another tremendous save. And the, and the place is rocking again. Um, mm. and, it was um, it was really a, the he's becoming a, a real hero at the club, Dean Henderson, and mm. he's 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 that he's sort of animated character and the way he sort of gestures to the crowd and and interacts with the crowd. He's he's, he's becoming a firm favourite. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Forest were still in the game, um, and they still played really well, and they still had these moments where they were. Uh, going forward and trying to be effective, uh, particularly down the wings. But once again, they, they, they were, they couldn't really get a shot in, could they? And then having been, having had one centre half booked, then shortly afterwards, Tottenham naturally as a team one nil up away from home in the second half, they were trying to get some of the break. And that led to a yellow card for Worrell. And it's one of those where, you know what, you take that. Um, it was a late challenge, one of those tactical fouls. And then uh, McKenna joined him shortly afterwards with a tactical foul on Harry Kane. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but I was thinking, uh, I don't like the fact that all three of our defenders are, <laughs> are on yellows. Well, yeah, well, in that sense, but... I did like it because I think in the first half they they weren't making those fouls, and I thought I thought they were being a bit naive at points where where Tottenham were breaking. They weren't they weren't giving we weren't doing the alter. I don't. I mean I hate them. I hate that they come into the game, but it looks like you have to do them now. Yeah. And it it just I, I felt maybe we were just learning even during the course of that game that that's what you have to do yeah. during during the game. And um, so. Yeah, worrying as it was, I thought, well, we're not gonna, we might not end up with 11 men here. It, it was so strangely encouraging to see <laughs> that they're sort of picking up the little tricks of the trade that you need in the Premier League uh, just to get through a game. Yeah, yeah. and uh, But as, you, as we said before, the trouble is that Forrest were kind of struggling a little bit to try and um, to try and make the breakthrough. So it did see some changes. The first one was Emmanuel Dennis coming on for Jesse Lingard, which meant that Dennis played as the left-sided forward and Morgan Gibbs-White dropped into the number 10 role. Uh, About five or six minutes later, we saw a triple sub, and this was a change of shape. And I think this was partly to do with getting back in the game and partly also to do with the fact that 
poor old cookie, like you say, marking Harry Kane on a yellow card. It's a tough gig. So we brought on Tyro Awanyi for Cook. We brought on Sheku Kiate for Ryan Yates. And we brought on Remo Freuler for Lewis O'Brien. And that's all Forrest go to four at the back. Uh, Koyate and Froehler in the middle of the park and then we had what was nominally Johnson on the right uh, Gibbs White in the number 10 Dennis on the left and then Taiwo up front so you talked about kind of going forward at the back having slightly more defensive mindset in midfield uh, obviously we're chasing the game at this point I personally didn't think we got any better as a result of those changes what do you think? Well, I mean, I think the changes were absolutely necessary because I, I looked at the players at about 60, 65 minutes and they were absolutely shattered. And you, you could see the perspiration on them. And you don't normally see that of of, my, of players during a match um, when you're live in the crowd. But they were, cause it, was, it was a hot day and it was it was hard work for them. They were running around people like McKenna, Worrell and the two midfield players and the three front players, you could have taken them all off. They all looked spent at, at that point. Uh, so the changes were absolutely necessary. Um, it wasn't, I mean, you say back four, but the fullbacks were pretty far pushed up. I think that's <laughs> what did us because it is played into Tottenham's hands because they can, with Kuliskeski suddenly started to gain loads more space. Um, and when Sessignon came on, he was able to get beyond them as well on the left-hand side because it was basically just Warrell and McKenna in the middle. And then it was like almost a two, four, four at points. <laughs> um, and I was, I was, and it, but yeah, it, it didn't really, I mean, there was nice touches from uh, Dennis when he came on. He had one or two things uh, going for him. Um, Freuler, you didn't really see him. Uh, Taylor, you didn't really see him. Because um, mm. I think the, the goal, the second Spurs goal came came pretty soon after they came on. So we yeah, so really, really knocked the wind out of them all. Yeah, so th- those subs came on, on 75 minutes and um, it's worth pointing out that the second Tottenham goal came on on 81 minutes. Now, what is key here is that we brought on £45 million worth of strikers by bringing on Dennis and Awanyi. Uh, in one fell swoop, in the same time that Forrest made their triple sub, Tottenham brought on £60 million worth of centre-forward, or, well, forward, in Richarlison, who came on for Son Heung-min. And I have to say, Richarlison, there's lots of ire for him from the Tottenham, uh, from the Forrest Twitter feeds, but he did exactly, if I was Antonio Conte, he did exactly what I want my forward to go on and do. Do you agree? Yeah, from Tottenham point of view, his first contribution was to walk on the pitch and then fall down for some reason. I don't know what. I know. What I can tell you with that, you probably didn't see it because you were at the game. It was on the other side of the pitch to you. But Harry Toffler, completely by accident, did actually um, catch him in the uh, gentleman's area. Uh, what was less um, sporting, shall we say, was that Richarlison kept played on until he realised he'd lost the ball, at which point he went down lying on the floor holding his bits. So, um, But again, that's what you do if you are the opposition centre forward coming on with 15 minutes to go and he wound everyone up something rotten. Now, the Forest players didn't rise to it, in fairness. They just kind of, you know, let's just get on with it. Um, but Richarlison did have two other key moments in the game. And 
let's not deny it, one of those was a Forest counter-attack. Scott McKenna got across really, really well. The the centre-offs had done really well to repel Kulisewski in particular. Scott McKenna got across really well to thwart um, Harry Kane, I think it was. Um, The ball almost went out for a throw-in, and Richarlison used all of his strength to basically barge Froehler out the way. And then he put in a peach of a cross, and unfortunately, Toffolo, having been so high up the pitch, he hadn't got back into position. He really needs to be covering McKenna's... um, covering beyond McKenna. But Harry Kane, if he'd put on the VAR lines, it would have been interesting, but I'm all for giving strikers a benefit of the doubt. And so Kane had the freedom of, of the six-yard box to just nod it home, and that killed the game, didn't it? It did. Um, he, we didn't really muster him much after that. Um, the players were very deflated. Um, and, and Tottenham... Everyone was knackered by that point in fairness. Yeah, yeah, and Tottenham, Tottenham controlled it from there on in. It was, a, it was a comfortable ride home for them after that. Yeah, so uh, now I'm just going to put something in there, which is that uh, I think that Remo Freuler is clearly a brilliant player and I'm so pleased that he's chosen Forrest and I'm so pleased that he's playing in England. He learned today that you need to be really physically strong because that was the most obvious time that he just got pushed out of the way but it happened two or three times he didn't really get in the game because of the physicality of it that you mentioned earlier that Tottenham have really become accustomed to yeah I mean they're, they're, they're all I mean it really struck, struck you when you're at the ground just how big all their team were and especially it, it was emphasised when O'Brien uh, was next to Hoiberg <laughs> and uh, Bentacourt it just mm-hmm. He's just. He, he, I was. I was sitting there at points thinking, he's just too small to be playing in this match. Too too small to be playing in this league. I, I just. Um, he's a. He's a good player. He's a tidy player. I'm not. I'm not blaming him for anything. They were just overpowering him at times. Um, and so that physicality is an important aspect. So it was heartening in a sense to see Coyote come on because um, he is massive. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> He just, he just being on the pitch, he filled up a whole lot of room, uh, which was sort of empty when uh, O'Brien and Yates were on. So I think we're going to have to adjust the midfield and play like a balance of, of some players, play some physical players and play um, one or two of the, the more skillful players, especially against the top teams, um, just, to, just to protect ourselves a bit more. Because, I mean, Spurs scored two, but... On another day, they could have scored more. Um, when it's, it is worrying when you see those three players running through onto Worrell, McKenna and Cook. It, 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 you, you're just expecting a goal every single time. So to keep it down to two in that sense was a job well done. Um, I was, it'll be interesting to see how long Mangala is injured for. Um, I heard a lot of people in the ground saying, oh, we're missing Mangala, we're missing Mangala. So... Um, It'd be good to see him back in, maybe playing alongside Freuler at some point, just mm-hmm. just to see what sort of that quality difference would be, um, and maybe bring a striker again. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's another, is another. Watching how tired the players were, it, it was a worrying thought. Thinking they're going to have to do this again on Wednesday night against City, and they're going to have to run again and again. So I'm expecting some changes for that because they look look shattered some of them. Mm. Okay, so uh, as you say, the match did end 2-0. Coming up in just a moment, we shall talk about the other Richarlison uh, 
incident, shall we say. Uh, we shall hear what Steve Cooper had to say. And we'll also have a view from the opposition and the latest NFFC news roundup. The 1865 Match Report. Okay, Marriage on the Midlands, we were talking earlier about some incidents involving Richarlison in his 15-minute cameo. Uh, Let's talk about the other moments that he had, which was, I talked about how he came on and did exactly what Conte would have wanted. There's lots of talk about the spirit of the game, and uh, some people would argue that Richarlison went against the spirit of the game when he juggled the ball on the touchline at 2-0 up, and let's just say it wound up a lot of people. So... My assessment of that is that everything that happened there was fair. If you are a team winning 2-0 away and one of your strikers juggles the ball on the touchline, then if it's your team, you're delighted by that. But then it's also fair that then when the ball came loose and Brennan Johnson went to win it back, that he absolutely cleared out Richarlison. And it's completely fair that Brennan got a yellow card for that. Do you agree with me? Yeah, uh, you, you. I mean, it's it's the unspoken rule of football. You you don't you don't take the uh, the mick like that out of uh, players when when you're winning. And he he deserved everything he got. It, it a, for, for initially, I thought Nicker Williams had gone because he mm. got him. Uh, but um, it was Brennan, and uh, yeah, he deserved it. He deserved a good kicking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's hear what Steve Cooper had to say. He said, um, I'm disappointed we lost the game. Uh, that's always the most important thing. I liked our performance in terms of built-up and territory, but what we didn't do was threaten their goal enough for the amount of good positions that we got. In the end, the reason you want to play football is uh, to score goals. So he talks a little bit about bits of luck and and maybe we're a bit unlucky in terms of the way that Kane got the ball and got into position for that first goal. He mentioned the second goal. It's partly because we were trying to get back into the game and therefore we're kind of caught on the counter a little bit. Um, and But he also says, there were loads of good things to take out of the game. I'm not going to be narrow-minded enough not to see that. But at the same time, we're not just here to take part. I think today showed the rest of the world, just like the West Ham game did to a certain extent, um, but today showed the watching public that Forrest are not going to roll over and die in the Premier League this season. And, and coming the day after Bournemouth got beaten 9-0, um, I think that's pretty important that Forrest have that statement of intent, isn't it? It is, but let's, let's not get too carried away. We have got Man City away on Wednesday night, so let's not, let's not pile on Bournemouth too much too soon. Uh, but no, we, we were competitive, um, and that's all you really want from uh, a team that's come up. Um, that was the biggest worry I had uh, after the playoff line, that we weren't going to be competitive just due to the sheer number of players we need to bring in. And we look competitive, and we look like we've got a bit of quality in uh, Morgan Gibbs-White, and Brennan Johnson and Jesse Lingard on the ball. Um, scoring goals looks like so far is going to be our Achilles heel at the moment. We've only sort of scored one a game so far. Um, West Ham game, Everton, and this this game. And then oh, we didn't even score one today, did we? So that's that's <laughs> going to be that's going to be a problem for us, um, maybe. But I think they just they're just adjusting how to get the best out of all the players we've got now and I think so I'm, I'm hoping I'm pretty hopeful that pretty soon that it'll click and we'll find the right combination of sort of midfield players attackers and strikers and uh, we I think we'll be okay 
Well, and if you should say that, because Scott Parker said in his post-match interview after losing 9-0, well, maybe we need sort of more players who are kind of up to it. And and that's what Forrest have been spending all that money for. They've started at a real deficit in terms of we didn't even have enough players for a team, never mind a squad. We still haven't got enough players for a squad. Um, although we'll hear more, more about that from Callum in a few minutes. So... Uh, Forest have been trying to counter that and they've been trying to make sure that there are going to be options. And I'm sure, like you said, um, on Wednesday against Man City, they will mix it up a little bit. Um, I also agree with you that Mangala is a baller. He's got real ability, but also he's got strength in midfield. And and I think that that, is, that was a real asset against West Ham. So uh, Mangala, I think, could be a very, very important signing. Um, I would also like to throw in there that um you know there's uh in terms of in terms of talking about how Forrest prepared for this season our Tom he appeared on BBC Five Live today on Helen Skelton's program and was discussing how Forrest were kind of getting ready for the Premier League season. Tom, 23 years away, Forrest are back in the Premier League. How is the season going for you so far? Um pretty well. Well with um the first game was a bit of a rabbit in headlights, a bit of a baptism of fire, but the last two have been uh, really good. We've um, been a really good outcome uh, in terms of the results and everything. So, yeah, we're doing all right at the moment. And got a big game this afternoon against uh, Spurs. Yeah, you should be pleased. You're sat 12, four points from your opening three games, which is amazing. And you're spending cash like your Man City. Life must be pretty good back in the big time. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we've had to do it. I mean, a lot of fans are saying, oh, I've well, signed these so many players, but we've had quite a lot of loan players which formed the squad last year. Um, we had um, a few players that have left on like um, end of contracts and things like that. So we want to stay here. We've been out the Premier League for 23 years and we don't want to be a yo-yo club. So that's why we spent this bit of money to be- actually compete rather than just like being um, easy pickings uh, each week. So uh, we want to compete in the Premier League and here we are. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Uh, thank you, Tom, for making for representing the podcast on uh, Five Live today. Tom was on Five Live speaking to the Cheese Room podcast. So we asked them if they wanted to give us a view from the away end. So uh, here we go. Hello, this is HG from the Cheese Room podcast, a Spurs podcast. We have two or two or three podcasts a week we have a couple of youtube shows each week and obviously we talk about spurs mostly but football in general as for today's game well um as a spurs fan for the last 40 years i've seen these games before where spurs go there with kind of the billy big balls attitude and think that we're good enough to just waltz over these promoted teams and usually we get our asses handed to us but today thankfully um, maybe with a bit of extra Italian seasoning, we managed to get the job done. Look, Spurs were not good today. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Spurs played better at the end of last season than they have done this season. And Forest are an amazing team. They they work brilliantly off the ball. They, they, the the one-twos that Forest played today were just that, that they were extremely good, and they caused Spurs a lot of a lot of trouble. Um, you overloaded the midfield areas. That's what Chelsea did to us a couple of weeks ago, and. You had lots of the ball and created a number of dangerous moments where, you know, certainly sitting at home, I was screaming at the TV for Spurs to pull their finger out. But looking back at it now, Forrest had a lot of dangerous moments, but not many shots. And I think maybe that's where Forrest were lacking a little bit. 
um, you're, you've got goal scorers in your squad. Like I was surprised that Awaniyi and Dennis and Surridge, like all of those players have scored goals. Um, they're centre forwards. They'll do well. You, I, I have no doubt that you'll put the ball in the back of the net in most games this season. But when you don't have that central figure, you've got lots of people who like to flit around the attack rather than be the attack. And I felt that today was a prime example. Forest will beat better teams than Spurs. Uh, sorry, not better teams. They'll beat other teams than Spurs with this lineup. But against a big side, you maybe you need to do something a bit more in an attacking sense. But I was super impressed with Forrest. Um I can't say much more than that, really. Forrest, I don't think any Spurs fan really thought it was going to be easy, but I thought we'd do better than than we did do. Spurs, rightly or wrongly, have a world-class attack, and that's winning us games right now. Um, Harry Kane has scored goals this season, which we don't usually see in August, and it's turned into Kane kind of getting us the points that we need. We're third in the league, and we haven't played particularly well. We got a, a very good result at Chelsea for us. And I think every Spurs fan is looking forward, but the results do not match the performances. And maybe if Spurs don't continue, then, then things need to get better. But I definitely think that Steve Cooper is a great manager for Forrest. Um, I think that you should um, get enough points to stay up, mostly because I think goal scorers are so important in the Premier League. And you have certainly two, maybe three, that can do it regularly. So it's all about finding that balance. But your back three wasn't really tested, certainly in the first half. When you went four at the back, I think I started to think that maybe Spurs were going to get that second goal because, by, by weirdly enough, by throwing someone more forward, it meant that we had more space in other areas. We had a better out ball available and we were able to get Kulisewski much more in the game in that second half. But... As far as the game goes, it, it does feel a very fortunate three points for Spurs. And if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Harry Kane, um, then Notts Forest could easily have sneaked that one and got the win that maybe their performance deserved. Thank you very much, HG, and thank you for contributing to that. We will be speaking to the Chiefs room again before our League Cup tie against Tottenham. Now, the other thing I want to say. Mrs. F made a comment today. She was saying Tottenham, they look as if they kind of are really well drilled and they know each other, what each other can do in each other's jobs. And in that sense, obviously Conte, that's what he's best at. He gives players jobs. He knows, gets them playing the way that he wants them to play. And also the core of that team have been together, playing together for six months now. So Bentancur and Kulisewski obviously were kind of pieces in that jigsaw. Richarlison is an option off the bench. They've got Perisic now at left wing back rather than Sessegnon. And so they were really, really well drilled. So in that respect, there's two things I want to put to you, Maradon in the Midlands. The first one is that compared to that, compared to the fact that Forrest have, you know, put together a squad in the space of, well, it's less than 100 days since the playoff final. So in that sense, Forrest aren't doing too badly, are they? And Steve Cooper should be applauded for the job he's done in terms of getting a Forest team looking competitive. And no, we're not going to win um, every match. Um, we're going to lose against the better teams. We might even get tanked once or twice. But we're not going to roll over and die, are we? No, um, it's, it's, a, it's a great compliment to Steve Cooper that you couldn't really say or see that this was a brand new team. Um it, it just sort of, especially after, I mean, after the West Ham game, that was my initial thought. They just, this is just sort of rolled on from last season. You can't really see the join where last season team ended and this season team started. So 
um, yeah, it's it's uh, a lot of credit is due to him and the coaching staff for um, getting them as well drilled as they are. Um, there are going to be uh, sort of teething problems here and there where the players will get to know, know each other and they're going to get better with time. And um, so, yeah, I think it's a very positive outlook so, for the mm. season. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I want to put to you is just that it's, again, huge credit to Forrest that uh, Conte, he gets his teams very, very organised. And that kind of uh, comment by Rafa Honigstein, the journalist, saying that he's got kind of... He got Forrest... Uh, Against Forest, Tottenham were playing kind of that that really kind of almost stodgy style of play where they're getting kind of eight nine men on the edge of their own box. I think that's a huge compliment to to Forest today. Sure, we didn't have the centre forward to finish off those chances, but we were pressing high and we made Tottenham defend like that, didn't we? We did um, with the with the word of caution. That I mean, they, they have, there has been some criticism that they've been a bit boring to watch this season. So it might just be the way they're going to go for it this year. Uh, Last last week against Wolves, Wolves were pretty strong against them in the first half as well. Um, so it might just be a long term ploy not to just to sit back and just let the front three go for it uh, on on the on the counter. Uh, but I mean, uh, before the match, you were sort of worried about because you don't know how good these players are. You sort of Harry Kane and and Song. You sort of looking at them in the warm up and thinking, similar to Declan Rice the sort of weeks before. Thinking, well, how good are they in real life? How, what are they going to do to Joe Worrell and McKenna and Cook? And so for us, as we competitive and and stay in the match for as long as we did, I, I think we can all be happy um, with the performance we put in, if not the results. Mm, okay. All right. Thank you very much, Marriage on the Midlands. Now, before we wrap up today, it's time for this. Hi, this is Callum with your 1865 News Roundup. Um, uh, quite a busy week as usual for Forest in this transfer window. There's been a good few links and a few deals practically across the line. So obviously we've seen Renan Lodi, that got done pretty quickly this week. He's been at the city ground already, so that is done. Serge Aurier looks like he could be the next man through the door as well. Um, Forrest had considered Regulon from Tottenham on loan, but he is going to Atletico Madrid, which opened the door for Renan Lodi. Um, Forrest are linked with Jaden Anthony and Josh Bowler, so they're still looking for a winger. And Tanganga and Michael Keane as well in terms of centre-backs. Um, obviously, we had Huang, who signed and went straight on loan to Olympiacos. And then just the one outgoing, it looks like, at the moment with Alex Martin linked to a loan move to Sheffield Wednesday, which could be really good for his development. So it's been a good week, transfers in and out again. I'm sure there'll be a lot to come before the end of the window as well, maybe not as much as usual. Um, But I'll be back with the news after the Man City game. So thank you, Callum, for letting us know about further incomings at the city ground. There might still be more to come. Who knows? But um, Married on the Midlands, uh, thank you once again for joining us today. And thank you to HG from the Cheese Room podcast. Thank you to Tom and thank you to Callum. And I just want to ask you, in terms of the match against Man City, uh, it's a really big game. You've already said that we might see some, some changes. In a way, though... Is Saturday's match against Bournemouth a bigger game? Yeah, I mean, that, that's against a direct rival where it's like a classic six-pointer. So uh, nobody's expecting anything from us against Man City. They looked pretty awesome again yesterday against Palace. Um, 
So uh, yeah, in long, keep, long, keep the score down up there. Don't don't get too disheartened. Put in a, another competitive performance. Um, yeah, the Bournemouth game will be more important. That's the one we have to win out of this group of three. Okay, so thank you very much for listening. Um, We will be back with match reports after the Man City and the Bournemouth game and every single game that we can manage this season. Uh, As always, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. We appreciate your support. Join us on social media, leave us a review and all of those other kinds of things. But this was the 1865 Match Report. We'll catch you soon. Podcast Network.